0: Hello Akaville Radio. Welcome to another episode of Talk I am one half of your host Brian Alexander.
1: Oh you, dang it! I thought I thought you were gonna. John. I thought nah, I'm. St- I we were on a roll. We were starting to get in a rhythm. And you know what I was thinking about, man? I was thinking what? about how I don't think I'm happy with how Game of Thrones is wrapping up. They're going too fast, <laughs> and it's just kind of always on my mind. Anytime I zone out, like whether I'm leading mm-hmm. like a rehearsal or I'm substituting somewhere, and it's always on my mind. Right now, it is
0: you know, always it is, there. It is legally allowed for you to use Game of Thrones as a, an excuse for anything that goes wrong in life for these next like two to three weeks. So I mean,
1: we got t- two weeks. There's, there's nothing left after this. Exactly. And, and then, I mean, I guess we, we get this, the prequel series in a year or two, but man, it's it's on I my know. mind. So maybe I should just tap this one out. Unless we are going <laughs> to talk about Game of Thrones on this episode, maybe maybe you should just handle everything.
0: Y- you know what? We might save it for the back half, you okay. know? but uh, okay. w- we got a pretty important guest on yes, today. We we could, yes, we do. Yes, w- we we'll, do. We'll get to that at some point. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> joining us today, we have a very special guest. We have Christopher Harrison of Aurora joining us, Chris. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. How are you guys? We are
0: well, doing good. bad,
1: clearly, if you just heard what I was Wealth. talking about.
2: <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> Lies. We're, we're lying. Some of us are good. Some of us are not. <laughs> but Chris, so tell us a little bit about yourself. For most of the acapella community, you know, you really don't need an introduction. But yeah. for the casual listeners out there, why don't you uh, walk us through your background a bit?
2: Oh, sure. Well, my name is Christopher. I'm in a band called Aurora that used to be called Sonos. We were eclipsed by a very, now very successful speaker company and thus thought it would be wise to, you know, you don't want to be in a band called McDonald's It'd be confusing. I mean, so, I, I might. Oh, no. Yeah. Sure, Brian. What I, I do you want to be in assume. a band called I McDonald's?
0: I, I'd be up for it. You know, like you know, if we just spell it differently.
1: It could work. Just like M K D O N D Z, and then put the L yeah. at the end. I could work as long I mean, as you could
0: saying. promise we don't get sued. So yeah, I can't promise well, that.
1: I think that's I think that's what will get us the notoriety though.
2: <laughs> is the lawsuit? <laughs> yes. Any exactly. publicity is good publicity. <laughs> well, we were too stupid to realize that at the time, and so we thought we should change our name. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, we we started around 06 as a a dozen or so friends singing together Mm. I was arranging like Radiohead songs and Bjork songs and stuff Mm -hmm. just kind of weirder moodier things and trying to put a little bit of of my own not unconventional spin but just put ideas that didn't seem like they would necessarily work and fit in with other a cappella stuff that I had done before things that I kind of wanted to try and had never gotten around to in school Uh, and that grew into I guess I should say it shrank down to a six part group that six part group finished a record we got a wonderful deal with uh, Verve Forecast Records and, and went on tour for several years and made more music, and we were on the sing-off for about five mm-hmm. minutes. It was really fun. <laughs> you guys were great on that. You guys are one oh, of my thank favorites. You. You're oh, thank you. Rob, you guys were <laughs> we, we were We were a very quiet girl group on the sing-off. <laughs> Uh, without our effects <laughs> pedals, which were, you know, there was a how lot in
0: of the pedal world pedals. does does Sean not appreciate the genius of "I Want You Back"? You know, even without <laughs> pedals, that's all I'm asking.
2: He, I, I have to say there's I mean this isn't I don't, th- I don't think in 2019 this is a mystery to anybody there is a on camera persona of e- anyone who's ever on camera for stuff and there's an off camera persona which with any luck is like a real person he's wonderful and he, he came up and said I mean he, he like it's been a thousand years there's no way I'm like, not allowed to talk about it. I don't know
1: <laughs> you're not the <laughs> this, first person to talk about like <laughs> is my NDA on the sing off still
2: a thing <laughs> it's, it's still in place it's been over seven years. What's the statute? I don't know. Uh, the, the following paragraph may or may not have happened. It okay. could be purely mm, okay. fiction. But he may or may not have come up as we were leaving. Like we did a little swan song thingy and we were walking back out to the van and we're like, all right, well, that was a short ride on a fast machine. (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) He came out to the parking lot and said really sweet complimentary things and kind of talked about context of an entertainment-based show versus a creative exploration context for making music. And that, uh, anyway, without being terribly specific, he was very, very supportive and complimentary and said like, essentially, I hope you understand the context of this show and what it is versus what you guys are doing mm. yeah. okay. take that as you will and it was I, I found that very I thought that was nice and and also that was sort of our feeling at the get-go when, when folks were kind of like what about the sing-off it's an acapella show you guys are an acapella group and we're like well barely we're pretty weird and quiet and introverted and <laughs> We have a lot of electronics and we don't know Any choreography stuff. So <laughs> It's just
0: so weird that Eventually that final season they finally Allowed you know kind of the effects thing with That the, yeah. The yeah. one group so It was just interesting I don't know
2: The trajectory I think by the time it happened It probably made enough sense like there Was enough of a sense in the public of like Just like the word autotune people who've never Studied mm-hmm. music or recorded anything ever Know the word autotune I feel like that Sort of signifies a Level of understanding of technology and singing and te- just tech in recorded music or perform music at all. So probably by then it w- it wasn't like we're afraid of the audience so will we weirded out, but we'll take the risk. I think by then it was like, well, no, most people most people who are going to watch this show are going to go, oh yeah, I get it. That sounds like A, B, and C that I like.
0: So you kind of mentioned earlier with uh, the formation of Aurora, which formerly was Sonos, that you know the aim was to kind of be different, and and so. Going into that, was there a major emphasis on we want to work our way up into that electronic sound? Because I'm looking at the kind of the timeline when you guys were formed and, you know, EDM music was just starting to become a bit mainstream in the early two, 2010-ish area. And so you guys yeah. are kind of ahead of the curve a little bit mm-hmm. with some of the stuff you were doing. So, you know, was it, what what was the inspiration behind the electronic feel and the different arrangements? Where what, what did all that come into play with you guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, as far as the, the integration of pedals and sort of like arranging with effects in mind and stuff, part of that was me just being the nerd that I have been since I was like 12 and got a like got a guitar and at the same time got one effects pedal got like a chorus pedal mm-hmm. and thought it was so cool and I was just as interested in messing with the parameters of that as I was with playing guitar and very shortly after became far more interested in playing with effects parameters than playing guitar thus I'm not a very good guitarist but I'm <laughs> great at messing with pedals it's great but um yeah. So just carrying that you know, carrying my, my love and interest and time spent sort of finding my own sound with that and, and using that as a writing tool and a creative tool, working that into it. And also I was at the time I was I'd kind of started producing acapella records full time mm-hmm. and as my living. And I it occurred to me, I was like, Well every time we do if if we're doing like a quiet if we're doing like and so it goes or some, some quiet kind of chorally thing, it's left pretty natural. But pretty much every recording, even in two thousand six if it was like a big pop song, there's no way we weren't taking the cleanest bass singer track and mm-hmm. octavizing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and tucking it way back, but so that you could definitely feel it. You couldn't necessarily hear it, but you could definitely feel it. Right. And I thought, you know, we we'd do that to like make this sound like a great, big, beautiful stack of sound in a recording. I love it. I don't see. I, I'm, I'm not puritanical at all with <laughs> with with like <laughs> rules about genres. Yeah. I, I can't think of any reason not to do this live other than if it doesn't work. So let's try it for a long time and see if it worked. And it seemed to. And the same, same thing with tap timed delays and stuff I was like well it's sometimes you know you're working on a song and and the arranger God bless them didn't do the most interesting thing with a part. And so you put a ping pong delay on it that's like locked to the, BP, the beats per minute of, of the song. And so you sort of create this additional a little canony followy part and it sounds cool and I thought well why not just arrange with that in mind instead of like adding that as a little garnish why not
1: yeah you know, and
2: I'm the most out of Yeah,
1: I'm really curious you're talking about I, I liked how you said puritanical there's this notion of like being a fundamentalist like you cannot have any instruments or this idea that acapella <laughs> has to be like pure in a sense and, and there yeah. are I agree yeah. places yeah. for that but I'm really curious what's it been like with Aurora's unique sound, like you said, the stacked chords using these ping pong effects. What's it been like using these pedals and these effects and What's it been like navigating the acapella community, where you're kind of straddling the line between what is and isn't acapella? Because you're clearly using acapella idioms, and it's all rooted in a foundation of acapella. Then you just build yeah. off of it with these effects. What's it been like navigating the community?
2: It's been it's been mostly really warm and receiving. There, I mean, I, I think there was. I think with some of the earliest stuff we did there was a little bit of puritanical pushback not even pushback there, there were like a few comments on mm-hmm. s- on a video or whatever where you know, someone was like um this is not <laughs> 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 whatever it is yeah. and, and, to, and to anyone who's ever raised that type of a concern or if concerns the right word if anyone has had that complaint my response has always been like you know what you you're absolutely entitled to listen however you listen and to prefer whatever you prefer and we're certainly not trying to offend you but if it bothers you so much that we're doing this that you're angry about it, we're definitely not for you and no ill will at all but there's plenty of vocal music to listen to where no one's futzing with a pedal on the ground Mm -hmm. so... Totally. Um, but yeah, for for the most part, I, I think like the first thing, I think Deke wrote uh wrote like a response, like a, a, a little comment thread response somewhere to Sono Sings to some of the tracks on it or something. And he, he seemed very complimentary. He, it was nice. He, I think he mentioned, he was like, I feel like echoes of Spiral Mouth. I feel a little bit of like Spiral Mouth influence on this, uh, with this group. And Spiral Mouth, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a group called Spiral Mouth, was absolutely our predecessor in that my mentor, Gabriel Mann, Who's a, now a like oh, okay. it as a TV mm-hmm. composer mm-hmm. Uh, and just composer in general, and he's an amazing songwriter. He was in a group called Spiral Mouth, and they used a few effects pedals and did kind of weird, really cool arrangements. And he produced their record, and and it was it was definitely different than. What was happening around it, and I thought it was super interesting. So it, I was like, "Oh yeah, well spotted, Deke Very, very good. Totally, it's literally the guy teaching me how to do the things in the studio that I'm learning how to do is the guy from Spiral Mouth. So, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, it's never seemed useful to get hung up on mm-hmm. people getting upset about it. So right, I and
0: paid it. A- and in regards to at least you got you all's earlier work because I know that you guys do a lot of original work now. But mm-hmm. with those earlier selections, do you think that the song selection really kind of helped to have that connection with audiences who weren't used to y'all's style?
2: Probably. Uh, I mean, if, I, if I'm if i understanding your question correctly, I think well, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think like the first thing we ever recorded was Everything in its Right Place by Radiohead. Right. And mm-hmm. Radiohead alone is like, that. that's a very specific signal to send to a new audience. So like to, to an audience you don't have yet. To go like pretty much anything you do when you get started is like, if you like blank, you're gonna love us because we love mm-hmm. blank and that's what we're doing. And so to go, we're gonna do a Radiohead song. Not only that, we're going to do a Radiohead song in a weird meter, in a sort of Phrygian-y sort of... (laughs) You know structure of chords and whatnot it's pretty strange and it's pretty moody and it's long and it doesn't have the arc of a regular song and so if you hate this you can ignore the rest <laughs> of what we do and if you love this stay tuned it's always a great way gonna... to
1: introduce something if you <laughs> hate yeah. this
2: yeah you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna love this it's a great preposition wow. you're <laughs> gonna dig what we do yeah the first thing we do was that the second thing we did was uh yoga by bjork which is another it's it's a I think that leans a little more conventional as a song, but it's pretty weird and it's pretty hard on sleeve feelingsy and and I definitely was a little strange with some of the arrangement and stuff. So I think being that it was sort of a weird thing, I th- I, I think helped establish like the appropriate audience, which I think is maxed out at about like nine or ten thousand people between Facebook and Instagram and, whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> whatever else. We're like, great, there are exactly this. Yeah, many same people for on same for Tacapella too. Same for our show. Oh, yeah. about yeah, <laughs>
1: nine, nine ten, Sorry, ninety thousand. That's what I that's what. Oh I thought ninety.
2: Wow. Yeah, clearly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One day, maybe.
2: (laughs) Well, I don't know if I answered your question, but that was a good answer to something. I stand by it. No, no. I think you, you
0: (laughs) you gave some good insight. But and I just think of when I normally when when I'm talking to people who aren't as into acapella as me and other people mm-hmm. I know and yeah. they're they're looking for something different I'm like well hey you know this isn't necessarily pop music that you're probably used to hearing but here's some really cool right. things that people in acapella can do and I always reference like Aurora and you guys' work because it's just so different because I think a lot of times mm-hmm. people who don't like acapella they're not used to they don't like the idea of people just straight covering songs and right. doing these straight replications. And you guys are doing something that's really cool and unique, reinvention, and, and exploration, different. exactly. And so it's some it's given their ears something to listen for that they weren't really expecting. And it just you know, and I was just kind of wanting to hit on that because you guys do so much in the indie space, rock space, you know. Yeah. And so
1: it, yeah, and I think it's really easy. For especially, especially, and I'll admit this: especially, choral people, choir, you know, <laughs> choir teachers. As I am one of them, uh-huh. it's very easy to see any kind of electronic. Uh, I don't even like the word manipulation, but tinkering or exploration as a they can kind of categorize it meanly as oh, that's auto tune, and they're using it to like cheat. Mm-hmm. They're using mm-hmm. it to stay in tune because the notion of staying in tune, you well, know, singing a cappella is almost kind of like something you earn, and it's almost something like akin to walking a tightrope you have to constantly be checking yourself coordinating and managing all these different things you know whether it's different parts of your body or different parts of the ensemble so when someone introduces something that does to a degree ensure that yes well okay maybe we electronize that's not a word but you know we use some kind of effect to that does give us a bit more of a basis maybe that's the equivalent of giving us one of those giant long poles when you're doing tightrope walking. When you use something like that, I think it's really easy for people to immediately see that and think, "Oh, they're cheating or they can't do this really." And whereas that's not the case at all. The point is they are using this these effects and these tools not to meet the meet the baseline, not to be able to get through a piece in tune. They're using it to create new kinds of sounds, and the purpose is exploration rather than using it as a crutch. And I feel like that's something that uh, I know probably I like ten years ago probably had a gut reaction to. And then my group used a song we did a cover of Hey Ya by Outkast, and it was like a ukulele version. And we just had the ukulele in it because it, the whole it just created the certain sound we wanted for that thing. But we still used acapella idioms and ideas. Yeah, and the point was not to get through, to not use these things as a crutch, or well, we can't get through this song unless we have the ukulele or we can't get through this song unless we have the effect. The point is we're just trying to create a very specific sound and we are willing to break some barriers and uh, move past some boundaries in order to do that and I think that, it seems like that's much more accepted now maybe than it was 10 years ago with the stuff you guys are doing I think of post Posture um, with mm-hmm. Tina Fries and the stuff they do and I just hope that's an understanding that more people can kind of come to like it's not a crutch it's just finding like how cool can you make yourself sound with everything you have at your disposal
2: I, I couldn't agree with you more I, I mean so I, I feel like that entire dilemma for people is it's two separate opinions about what they both think is one thing and it turns mm-hmm. out they're actually having two separate discussions and it's a, yes. it's, it's a problem of context and so, if if your reality, if your if your acapella reality, is one where where there is only one way to approach this, and that is to do any and all things with only the human voice and nothing else, and therefore the further you stray away from that, the more you're doing it wrong, or the the weaker you are, the less sort of disciplined or capable you are as a group. If that's your reality, if that if that's the way in which you engage with vocal music. I, which, by the way, I totally get. I mean, there, every genre has not every genre. Lots of genres have stuff like that. Barbershop has rules about how you can resolve chords and what kinds yeah. of sevens you can use. Bluegrass. My dad is a bluegrass musician. and has been for about fifty years, and he's his band is when when they would go to festivals. Like every other time, there'd be dudes like shaking their heads with their arms folded, like "You guys ain't bluegrass. Like you, you guys are. You guys are. <laughs> it's like kind of gatekeeping
1: almost. Yeah. It's it like no, this is how you have to do." Yeah. It.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so so if if your approach is and and I don't I don't mean this as a as a negative thing at all if your if if your approach is puritanical in nature at all if it is like this is the way to do it the closer you are to this the better it is the further away you are the worse it is and that's the end of the discussion I totally get why people would go oh that's a crutch it's like oh well in your reality all this can look like is a crutch. But whereas the way you just spoke about it, which is absolutely the way I feel about it, a- acapella at this point no longer means in the style of the chapel. It means. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is what it literally, yeah. Yeah, literally means. Little it, definition. It, it, now, it now means this genre has been around a while. There are certain types of syllables and certain types of rhythms and certain types of singy things that. that Yeah, its own on. idioms. Yeah, its own yeah. idioms exactly yeah I
1: it, yeah I had a friend just kind of taking that idea one of my friends uh, Daniel Wolfert who was on the second episode ever of tacapella fun fact he wrote an original acapella tune and it was one of the first original acapella tunes I ever heard. And I was like, this sounds like an acapella song. And he's like, well, yeah, it is. And then I was like, wait a second. No, I'm not that dumb. It's in that it sounded (laughs) like it was a cover of something. And I was like, well, why is that? Even though it's not, it sounds like it's an acapella thing, but it's not created in the standard acapella formula of taking something and adapting it. And his point was, there are musical idioms, like you just said, Chris, about do's and da's and syllables that have evolved in the art form that are totally kind of separate from its origins of covering stuff. So you can take something like what Forte does or whatever with all their original tunes and it sounds like an a cappella piece and even though it doesn't have that initial foundation, it's still within the genre and I think what Sonos does is still within the genre. It's still playing in that and I think people just need to, especially choir people, like, and I, <laughs> I know, when I've like programmed songs for groups, like, well, they can't stay in tune so well so I'm gonna do a piece with accompaniment and it's really easy to just immediately categorize something as cheating or as not in the genre but if we do that, we're just limiting all the exciting opportunities that groups like Sonos can create and the exciting sounds that I think, can engage a whole other world of acapella and a whole different uh, subset of people who maybe like you said Brian you're talking about um, and I think we talked about this when Laura uh, was on that one time how she wasn't super interested in just straight covers but when someone takes something and whether it's through effects or just reimagining it kind of retools it and reinvents the song that engages her I, I think I might mm-hmm. be putting words in your wife's mouth <laughs> no um,
0: that's pretty accurate
1: so it's it, to me it's just this o- whole idea of gatekeeping and the puritanical stuff only not only limits the art form but therefore limits the appeal and the kind of depth of music we can create if we get too hung up on well is that really acapella yes the umbrella might be a little bit wider the term might apply to some more things now but that just means it's more inclusive and we're gonna get cooler music out of it
2: yeah and also I don't think there's any harm at all in giving everyone what they want In saying, all right, yeah, if you if your if your angle on this is I insist no matter what you say, that the use of anything other than just the voice is a crutch or is a it's an abomination, an, an, an abomination, whatever the hell. Oh, um, geez, that's good. <laughs> great word. Never tell anyone I said that. No one's going to listen to this, right? This is just us. <laughs> OK, <great>. um, sure. <laughs> this, is, this is private. Good stuff. Um, no, a, a, Have a festival. And where those are the rules you know what I mean because that would be interesting too it'd be like oh cool at this festival they specifically follow a bunch of really strict guidelines and it's a competition or it's not whatever at at that festival they go this is this is what we do in this very specific way I would love I would love it if there was a festival of groups that specifically were trying out weird stuff where we're like hey we're doing Mm -hmm. a weird Mm -hmm. thing we've never done it before it might fall on its face like it it might not be great because we're figuring it out as we go but here we go but it's like
1: exploring a new frontier and that's Apparently, super exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's all about discovery. I mean, discovery, it's music
2: yeah. for God's sake! Like, let's like screw around, let's like, try stuff out. Totally agree. I feel totally like, agree. And one thing, there was one, there was some, there was a blog or something where somebody seemed a little bit bent out of shape about. I think we were. There was a song where we used a. There were several songs where we used a harmonizer pedal, and it mm-hmm. was like, oh, well, that's uh, that's convenient. You know, you you tell the thing perfect fifth, and then you've just got a perfect fifth all day long. I mean, that's not hard to tune. <laughs> And my, my <laughs> I like how you put that. Perfect with all yeah. day long, all day long, all day. Yeah, who, whoever it was, I I, res- I don't remember who it was or where it was, but it, I, my response was I, I totally I can totally see coming to that conclusion. A, a pitch shifter pedal like that is a lot more like a mech suit from the movie Alien. If I can just be a total nice for mm. the movie nice. Alien. Yep. Sorry, sorry, you know, is it, it's it, it, if you if you sing in tune. It helps you a lot if you sing out of tune. It makes it twice the problem mm-hmm. that you would have had otherwise. So you better be amazing at singing straight tone if you're going to have a, a thing tuned to you as a perfect fit. If you if when you crescendo you drift down at all, now you've got a drifty fifth and it's gross. Mm. So
1: yeah, um, it's not you know. just like a turn like hit button and now group sounds good. That's yeah, exactly. not how it works, and that's I think how people. Simplify it down yeah. so much
0: Yeah, so uh, we're going to continue this discussion Uh We've been talking with Chris here About some really cool stuff We're going to take a short break We're going to throw it over to Amanda Tran With Notable Coverage And then we're going to be Amanda. right back on Talkapella
3: Hey everyone and welcome to Notable Coverage Here only on Talkapella on Acaville Radio I'm your host, Amanda Tran And every week we just talk about Songs that are, well, covered notably Hence the name Notable Coverage I either talk about a song or an artist that is covered often in acapella, and basically just kind of go over the reasons why these versions are awesome. So in this episode, we're going to talk about What Now, performed originally by Rihanna, Queen, Queen Rihanna, Queen Fenty. If you're listening to this very tiny segment on this radio show about acapella, probably not, but I can dream. (laughs) I'm a huge Rihanna fan. Everything about her music career as well as her as a businesswoman is amazing and she's awesome and I'm not surprised that she's covered often in acapella. So in 2015, the Nor'easters, yes, I'm talking about the Nor'easters again because they're an incredible vocal group amazing arrangements always. They did this song and it featured Jesse Lewin on the solo. And let me just tell you that if you haven't heard this, I'm not sure what you're doing or why you haven't because it is worth your time. I will tell you that. The ensemble, honestly sounds so incredible, so well blended and so in tune with the actual music. I feel like a lot of times the ensemble is overlooked or they feel for some reason they're not as important. And so it sh- it really shows in the performance when the ensemble believes in the song and the group and the performance and all that kind of stuff. And so in this performance of what now, you can definitely feel just the synchronicity of, is that a word? I don't know. They were very much in sync with the song, the performance, the feelings, the mood, as well as just being in tune with the soloist, Jessie Litwin is an incredible soloist. So much emotion and so much raw, just like feeling. And every every time she performs, and I'm just a huge fan of her and the group. And they basically just did what now perfectly. I have judged ICCA at the high school and college level for several years now, and after they put out this what now cover. I noticed so many groups performing the song, whether it was their own arrangement of a song or an exact transcription of the arrangement that was done by the Nor'easters. So this group definitely has like, is definitely stapled in the community as one of like the great quality groups out there. Everything they put out is amazing and it's really cool to see their actual reach and influence on other groups. Yeah, and I guess the only other note that I had on What Now is that it was not a single, which is really unique, I feel, because a lot of times... When groups do pop songs, it's usually like the really big ones that are really well known on the radio. But What Now was definitely not one of Brianna's biggest hits, but the Nor'easters took an awesome pop song, regardless of its popularity, and really made it their own in a really special way. They give it their own flavor, their own sauce, Um, and really highlighted each individual performer as well as solidifying the group identity of that year. And I talk about the group identity a lot in the past episodes, but I think it's really important as definitely for college groups, because every year the group is a brand new group. Even if you have 100% turnover, which rarely ever happens or ever happens in college groups, but every year is a new journey for the group. And although your identity may stay the same at its core in who you are musically and all that kind of stuff, everyone evolves musically in some way. And it's really cool to see groups like the Nor'easters show us how to do that in a very graceful way. So here is a clip of what now performed by the Nor'easters. Thank you so much for tuning into Notable Coverage here on Tacapella on Acapella Radio. I'm your host Amanda Tran. Definitely at me on any social media. I'd love to talk about acapella. Tell me what you want to hear about next. My handle is at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's at Amanda Tran R O C K S. See you guys next time. Bye.
2: Welcome back to Tacapella
1: ooh that was
0: ooh. so smooth
1: <laughs> Brian was, do you hear nice. how smooth that was that that like, was
0: that some Barry uh, Barry White tones in there that was nice that was
1: really good mine's always just like and what like just trying to be like super <laughs> super hyped up but I don't know if many people have tried to make that like silky smooth like lower voice um, uh, intro back in but we are back man. on talk about Live. we've been talking with Chris Harrison of Aurora uh, about a ton of stuff Brian What what are we talking about next man
0: Oh, man. So one of the aspects that I've always been amazed with with Aurora is how they've always been able to kind of balance this touring musician aspect with, with their group. And, you know, most groups that you see in the college, I mean, in the acapella space, you know, you think of collegiate groups, you know, they're kind of housed and they might do a tour here. They might do a tour there. But Aurora has, you know, to my knowledge, has been kind of the more the poster child for touring groups. So so, Chris, would you say that that's kind of accurate at all? What, what was that life like? or is still like in regards to being on the road, being being an acapella group that travels?
2: I, uh, I mean, it, it, so currently we're all, a, everyone is pursuing session work and I'm produ- pursuing production work and uh, writing and mixing and all kinds of stuff at home. And we still do, we still will gig, um, you know, a few times a year we'll do gigs, but it's not the touring life that it once was. But there was mm-hmm. about a three-year period where we kind of lived on the road, which I loved and I miss so much to this day it was so much fun um yeah yeah, it was it was incredible and I mean and that like a part of the charm of it is like the roughest gigs is like you get to a community college And the really sweet welcoming person Is like hey we're so excited So little uh, fiasco with the sound system We only have one uh, speaker But we, we're told that it works oh, no. and We're just going to put <laughs> it up on a spike In the middle of the cafeteria And you can sing at these kids who Is are this an episode
1: of community? Because it's just sounding like an
2: episode of community <laughs> Which I love I, t- I was obsessed with that I'm still obsessed with that show I love it. Yeah and so it's literally like singing to kids Rushing to class or eating food and like a little bewildered that we're singing to slash at them while they're studying or socializing um, there were there were lots of gigs like that there were lots of gigs that were in like surprisingly impressive auditoriums with great sound there were ones that were super weird um, but charming in their own right there was a gig in um, Bangor Maine where we sang in this big theater it was like a not big it was like a, probably like a 300 seat theater like for plays and things and there was sort of a house attached to it and the gig was great and the people were so sweet and amazing and our we some part of the deal of the gig was we were rather than them paying for hotels for us we were to stay in this theater over the night and it sort Mm. of had a house attached but the house was just kind of like the back part of the theater and it felt definitely very haunted and creepy and spooky and you know Stephen King's from Maine and anyway um, <laughs> um. Big time. <laughs> it was very. It was. It was very eerie. It was really fun. We played like the most intense game of hide and seek of my entire life. Nice. while we were there it was oh god it was very creepy it was awesome like I'm I don't know if I'm ever going to do anything that unexpected ever again in my life as the things that would that you just encounter on tour just day after day after day you roll into a new city and meet brand new people and hope that everything is going to work and that no one's going to kill you not that there's any risk of anyone killing you but I'm just thinking about that theater it's creepy um, <laughs> yeah, that, so, yeah so, I, so
0: what were I guess the, the enjoyable parts about touring Are there, there things that you kind of value in the sake of, you know, being a band that travels versus one, you know, you just kind of have this stationary venue at the end of the day? Because I know that you guys did a lot of, um. And sorry if I'm butchering the name, like the Hotel Cafe gigs. I've seen a lot That's of those. exactly right. And, you know, what What are some of the draws to uh, kind of touring and gigging like that, gigging such as that versus the touring aspect?
2: I got you. Yeah, the, the residencies at Hotel Cafe were... So fun. And I mean, that that's great because it's like it's like half a band experience and half a party with your friends. Because, you know, um, we we all live in L.A. and all of our friends are either actors or musicians or, you know, some other in some other creative facet in Los Angeles as well. And and they're thrilled to come out and have a drink and watch us sing in this like awesome little singer songwriter room in Hollywood um, mm-hmm. and when we would do those, it would be, you know, be like, uh, four Wednesdays in a row or something. And, and the pressure there is, well, we only know 13 songs. We should probably learn some new songs <laughs> or, or, you know, we should invite our, we should invite our buddy Ben from Ben Hall from this band called the elevators. That's awesome. LA based band called the elevators, uh, to come up and rap with us, like rap the bridge of this oh, one nice. song that we do. And he did, <laughs> or maybe that was even his idea either way, like little things like that to kind of spice up change up the set and and have it be something a little different week to week but total blast very convenient (laughs) as far as you know sleeping in a comfortable bed because everybody just goes home (laughs) um yeah when the when the tour life was like when it was at its best it was it was very decent pay like when you go to a um like a naca convention like a college (laughs) <laughs> you know, every college in the nation sends representatives to watch a bunch of acts and then like book them for their schools. and And if you win big, you can get like block booking and just keep yourself busy and zigzagging across the country the whole year. And so we had a we had about three years where a lot of days of every month we were out and about. Yep. And it, yeah, I mean the, the pay was decent mm-hmm. and I. I I love being taken to a new place and doing new things for free. That's really, really fun.
0: So yeah. in regards to the reality of it, because I remember a time coming out of college, I probably the, as being a member of a college group, my yeah. idea of the future, uh, my ideal future would have been to be in an acapella group and do it 24-7. Totally. Just yeah. being someone who's lived that reality, how much of... How much of your time was uh, spent in regards to doing things with Aurora versus, you know, having to have like a side job, you know, how much did Aurora, you know, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you know, pay the rent versus these side gigs, you know, doing studio sessions, doing arranging, you know, how much of a Mm -hmm. commitment do you have to balance between the two?
2: Well, we were in a very unique situation where we had a uh, our manager for the first several years of us being a group was he had his own little record label. And he and I mean, and he was the one who facilitated us getting a meeting with the people at Ferv and and ultimately having a deal with Ferv, which was awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. he, He was sort of he was sort of fronting costs and even giving us stipends to just keep just bare bones, like keep rent paid and stuff while we were running full steam trying to lock down the deal and then once the deal came through there was a a nice nest egg there to like begin touring with and then you know we we were sort of um I don't know the right metaphor we, it was it, nobody ever, nobody ever got rich doing it
3: okay but we uh
2: but but yeah we definitely all you know we we had our we had our bill needs met and you know and had per diems and had and had things like that so it I I don't think anyone was socking money aside but it, it was it was more like all your expenses will be paid plus a little bit more <laughs> plus you'll get to go all to these all these different places and and do these different things. We got to go to England twice and we went to Scotland once and we nice. went to um, we went to Aarhus in uh 2015 I think it was, 2015 or 2016 in Denmark and that was incredible. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know,
1: what was the strangest experience you ever had on tour?
2: The strangest experience we ever had on tour. Oh, well, that's got to be the budget in story. I'm going to lean in and use my your voice again. No. Oh, uh, here we go.
0: Here, here we, we go.
2: <laughs> we were on our way. I'm pretty sure we were on our way to Sojam 10 or 9. Whenever, whatever. <laughs> I'm so old. I don't remember things. Whenever <laughs> the first, we've done two Sojams. Whenever the first one was that we did, we were on our way to that. And we were driving from a neighboring state i don't know which <laughs> I'm an idiot. It's fine. We were driving from a neighboring state where we had decided in the middle of the day to go swimming in a river that a, a, like a townsperson has, had told us was there. We'd done a gig like in the middle of the day, and they were like, oh, if you guys want to swim, there's an amazing spot that people go swim in this river. So we went and swam in this river, and Rachel sliced her foot open in the river. Oh, no. And we oh. went back to the Oof. van, and someone had broken into the van and stolen oh. Paul's wallet that had like the band like credit card in it. And we were like, Oof. this oh, is the best. So I think we, like, went to the only thing that was nearby, which was a Walmart and got some, like, rubbing alcohol and duct tape and super glue and, like, just... (laughs) Just, like, backwoods fixed Rachel's foot. (laughs) And then drove... Drove until, like, 4.30 in the morning to Durham. And in Durham, I... We pulled into a gas station and I mapped, you know, motel nearby. And the only thing that came up was the Budget Inn. Maybe I shouldn't mention their name. There was a motel that was, it looked nice, looked fine enough. And we made our way over there. And the um, the gentleman who ran the hotel was behind very thick uh, plexiglass. And there was a sign that said no refunds after 30 minutes. And, what? Uh, Yes. Yeah. I was like, "Okay, this is I don't know what alarm bells this is setting off, but alarm bells are being set off in my mind. (laughs) But I'm going to ignore them because I'm very tired and it's four in the morning. (laughs) So we got uh, like three rooms for the six of us and uh, I I made my way off to my room and someone else made their way after their room. It turned out this was like a pretty established crack den spot. So there, wow. were, there, there were many a hooker. There were many a very happy, very alert crack user.
1: <laughs> very <laughs> alert,
2: just just that's extremely present, it. just very alert and awake. Very very friendly guy asked me what room I was staying in, and I said, "Oh, uh, two four one. And he was like, "Oh, that's right over here. I'll show you." It's like, oh, "Do dude. you work? You don't work. For the, <laughs> you don't work <laughs> um, Okay, why do you? Know? Oh,
0: um.
2: So it seemed kind of shady. And so I came back to the counter and, and, and the front and um, Ben and Paul and one of the girls also was sort of politely arguing with the guy saying, like, look, we, we don't we don't feel safe here. We don't feel good about this. It turned out Ben had been approached by Ben as he was on his way to his room. A uh, police cruiser came by and called him over to the car and said, what are you doing here? And Ben went, I'm here hmm. with my acapella group, sir. What <laughs> He's like you do not belong here and you need to get out of here. he was like all right that's all i need to know so if that's not a sign
0: i don't know what is
2: (laughs) (laughs) yes if if we had died after that it would have been absolutely no one's fault but (laughs) so so he ben ben is very reasonably arguing with the guy at the counter that that we'd like a refund and the guy points to the sign and it's been 34 minutes or something since we checked in 34 yes so he's trying to keep his you know He's just just a businessman. He's just trying to make a living. A car drove by and tried to solicit Rachel's services as a prostitute, which she doesn't offer, fun fact. (laughs) And so she came in and explained that that had kind of happened, and I just sleep deprivation and general rage... And protectiveness, I kind of lost my mind and screamed very loudly at the very nice man behind the glass. And, and he, he he was finally won over and, he, and he, he refunded us because I think Ben appealed to his sense of honor. And he was like, sir, we don't feel safe. So even if you keep our money, we're not going to stay here. We're just going to leave. And the guy kind of looked crestfallen and he and he gave he gave us a refund, which was very sweet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it was completely insane. Like, we've talked about that story. When we hang out together, we have talked about the Boujee Inn, as we've called it. <laughs> like, in the last two weeks, Bouget. we've mentioned the Boujee Inn. We've absolutely made reference to it. It's such a highlight of our... I've heard Brian, we gotta go visit this place. No kidding. We gotta
1: find it. We gotta find (laughs) it. (laughs) (laughs) Just to experience it for ourselves. I've heard some
0: stories about touring before, but that one might take the cake, and I'm so glad we have that recorded.
1: (laughs) Yes, me too.
0: I'm like, I would have never been able to imagine that before. Wow. You have to you have to pay to to hear stories like that. (laughs) Oh my goodness.
1: But they didn't have to pay to create that story. Well,
2: we well we had we had to front the money for the three rooms, but but then it was and then you got it back. No problem.
0: Wow. So there's definitely (laughs) a different side to being on the road for
2: sure. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness.
1: Should we, Brian? Should we follow up with what's the that Be- was the absolute <laughs> best experience you had. Just so we can, I, kind I
0: feel of like I want to know this now. <laughs> but That's quite the story to top.
2: Well, the, the let's see some unequivocally positive, inarguably positive experiences we had. Because that one it seemed negative at the time, but has become one of our favorite stories. Yeah, some,
1: was one of the most positive experiences. Leaving, the it budget was driving
2: in. away from the Inn, Yes. Oh, okay. In Makes in sense. a hurry, um, at at the advice of very. Polite police officers. Yeah, some of my favorite things. There was a small chapter of time where we had been chosen and hired to be the backing band for Kanye West.
0: For
3: what? his
2: performance I've heard of him. the BET Awards. Oh, nice. Uh, which melted all of our brains. And <laughs> so we, we were very excited about that. So we arranged his song called Amazing. And mm-hmm. we went to a killer rehearsal space in Los Angeles called Swing House and we went there and we met with him and his uh, sort of like production entourage and we worked with him for about eight hours and wow. had so much fun and, and he was very intrigued by the use of effects pedals on the voice he thought it was very cool and I'm not saying correlation is causation but <laughs> I was using an octave with distortion on it on my voice throughout the stuff we were working on together Mm-hmm. And the next album that came out is non-stop Kanye, so an octave pedal with distortion on it.
0: Interesting, though. I'm not saying
2: there's any correlation there, but I'm not saying there isn't any correlation there. <laughs> That's all I'm not saying. But, yeah, that was, that was amazing. Uh, in the middle of the rehearsal, he mentioned in passing, he was like, I mean, yeah, if this even happens. We were like, nope. What do you, what, why? What do you mean? He was like, oh, they're not. Well, I don't want to speak anymore on behalf of someone that's not me and that's not here. But he, he implied that it may or may not come to fruition because of conversations they were having. And then I think a few days later, Michael Jackson passed away. And so mm. I think that year's BET Awards mm. became about that. And I think his performance was canceled or or whatever it oh, was, wow. was Apple Z from the from the program taken off the docket but the rehearsal alone was really really weird and wonderful and fun so it's just as well it's totally fine so yeah that's definitely that's definitely a this is never gonna happen again highlight of uh, of our experience as an acapella cool. group
0: wow it's... from budget into Kanye West who, who'd have thought those words would ever find their way in the same sentence my <laughs> oh, goodness <laughs> wow <laughs> it was a lot of fun but <laughs> i'm like i'm sure the experiences though all around man they have provided some uh, great memories though over the years from all of that and it's Absolutely. what's the so you said that everyone is kind of doing their own solo thing a little bit now and you, you guys kind of find time when you can for the group so is yeah. there is are there any things in the works coming up or
2: yeah i mean so kind of the way we've operated since bioluminescence was finished And put out, we were like, all right, this is when we were being supported by Verve and sort of supported and organized by this guy who was managing us from the get-go. We could just kind of be dumb and pretty and just go where we were told to go and sing and then leave and, you know not think about too much once we were working entirely on our own and making records without monetary support of anybody and you know like any other band would be before a record deal came along mm-hmm. right. um, we're like oh this is this is very difficult to i mean for any band it's difficult to grind out a living and keep it all straight yourself we're all very able as music people in lots of different ways in los angeles and a couple of the girls in the band uh i think had just become or were just becoming sag members Mm. as as session singers a couple years later the third gal became a sag session singer and so now that's a thing they all do and the idea is i think for anyone doing it is i can do any project i want whenever i want so long as i can drop everything at the last second and get on this movie score or get on this tv show Mm. whatever it is uh, which is which pays wonderfully when it happens and it's you know it's hard work to get. There are like 30 people who do all the stuff. So so the way we've sort of operated as a band since then is let's no one call this our primary source of income and our primary time consuming thing but let's also never let the flame go out. Like let's, you mm-hmm. know, we're, we're still going to hang out as mm-hmm. pals and anytime anyone has an idea of a song that they're writing or an arrangement they'd like to do that we could do a weird spin on or something, we'll go ahead and do that and when we amass enough stuff to put out an EP or put out a record, we'll do that and we won't, you know we can look at it as like a a truly as an art project instead of like this is our band but it's also our livelihood our primary livelihood yeah Um, so so the love
0: is still there for the project and the the initial formation of what you guys are set out to do is just you know we also have these other commitments and it it all makes sense yeah
2: yeah and to be honest there i mean it it made me a little sad because it was the you know i was i was a member of the band and i was also a member the the person recording everything and mixing everything and producing everything and you know, just sort mm-hmm. of like head nerd of of the group <laughs> doing the technical so it it felt a little weird. I was like, Oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do with most of my time now. <laughs> like, it's so strange. It's I think it's probably been like the healthiest thing for us as a creative entity and as like a group of friends is that we're like, Oh, we don't have to, no one has to resent anyone or be mad at anyone because the clock is ticking and we don't agree yet mm. on which direction we should go with this thing or that thing or whatever. Mm. Now it's purely a thing we can just kind of come together and be like, you know what would be really neat is if we did this. Do you guys want to do this? Like when are you guys doing yeah. And so it's it's like more for fun and more for just like as a means of expression now than it was by the time we were touring. Because by the time we were touring, it was like, well, there's no time for a second job. We're on the road. We mm-hmm. better make more money.
0: And that's such a cool thing because yeah. I think that's where you kind of get into the territory. We see so many bands, you know, that fallout phase, you know, yes. when it just becomes, a, uh, you know, this is more of uh, we have to, it's a necessity that just has to be like this versus, you know, we, we'll find time when we need to and, yeah. you know, it'll all be there. So. Yeah, That's it'll good, arrive when totally. it
2: arrives instead of like the, the clock is ticking and so, you know, it doesn't have to be good. It has to be done, but it also has to be good. Gets That gets tiresome.
0: oh (laughs) i bet yeah understandably
1: so chris it's been so great hearing about this whole journey you've been on from the bougie end to (laughs) everything with the sing-off uh this is just so many cool conversations (sighs) and stories that we've heard today we got to take one more quick break we're going to pass it on over to lisa hawkins with notable coverage and then we're going to be right back here for our last segment on this episode of Tacapella.
4: Hello, my name is Lisa Hawkins and welcome to Talkapella's mini segment, Asking for Directions. So last week I touched a little bit on being authentic, but I never really touched on how to do that or what that actually means. Uh, and this may turn into more of a spiel, so I apologize in advance for that, but I just think the acapella world, or more specifically the collegiate cappella world, is overpopulated with the same thing. You see it over and over again, and it's almost exclusively what you see in, in the competition world, and that is the edgy, melodramatic vibe uh, that these groups put out, both in their performance outfits and their music. When it was first a thing, it was new, and it was a huge hit, So, and then all the other groups started doing it and that was all fine and good at the time but now that's all you see and it's no longer cool because it's not refreshing it's just expected I mean how many times have we heard a slow version of the latest popular tune on the radio right we can almost walk into an ICC competition now and take bets on which fast song is going to be turned into a ballad and I've done it <laughs> <laughs> so, what I'm trying to say is that's not being authentic. That's just following the latest trend. And I also totally realize that this is a personal opinion, so take it with a grain of salt. But I would much rather see a group that is not maybe 100% in tune but they are unapologetically themselves, sharing who they are, telling their stories, their experiences, and truly performing for the audience, having a blast inviting me as the audience member to enjoy this experience with them, as opposed to a really well-executed set but one that's cold, you know? Don't get me wrong, it's fun every now and then. And I'm not trying to say that they aren't innovative because sometimes the arrangement just knock your socks off, but I'm never surprised by them. You know, it's kind of, I don't know, I expect it. So what can you do to be more authentic? Well, obviously, I don't think there's one magic thing you can do and then we're like, well, we're authentic now. But I think it's really important to discuss as a group who you are, what are your issues, your stories, what do you believe in, then... From there, you can choose your song, um, your show flow, your talk abouts, and how you can communicate those things with your audience so that they can be invested with you. If you're a collegiate group, you at least have some sort of platform. So maybe you can use that to educate your audience on something that your group believes in, uh, sing songs about it. I mean, there's so much going on in the world right now. I don't think there's a shortage of things that you know need to be talked about. So use your stage and your art for... You know, something, anything that is important to you. And I will admit, I've definitely fallen into that trend too, where, you know, it was the cool new thing and it was edgy, but the time is gone now. It's overdone. It's no longer unique. I mean, look at the ones who win the competitions now, like the SoCal Vocals. They aren't trying to be melodramatic and cool, but their set is so fun. They are dancing, having a good time, and they are performing their butts off. And that is refreshing. I think that's why they win every year because they're different. They stand out by not following that edgy trend and they do what they do really well. So next time you're thinking about your set, uh, what your theme is, what to talk about, um, really think about who you are and what your group stands for and what you want it to stand for and have a discussion about it with your singers and go from there so that's my spiel this week <laughs> thanks for joining me and stay tuned for more leadership tips on next week's asking for directions
0: welcome back to talk Apella. so this has been quite the episode so i don't think you know we've had story time it's story yes, like time said, man we've had some of the most insane experiences i think i've ever heard from a, a touring band you know I, they will stay with me forever you know I'm, i think we might need to develop a <laughs> script for this actually. <laughs> Just uh, hearing and, about it. And then we've also got the other side which um, you know, we've kind of looked at Aurora's past, you know, looked at uh the inspiration we talked with Chris about, you know, how everything formed and shaped and you know, where it brought them to. So with with tradition here, we always ask our guests, you know, if they could offer the community one piece of advice, what would it be? So Chris, we posed the question to you what advice would you give to the acapella community?
2: It's a lot of pressure, you guys. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I uh, uh, I don't want to say something obvious, but what I have to say is at least a little obvious and that's make sure you are having fun. Like um, don't, don't lose sight of why you are interested in yeah. music in the first place. I think it's really, really great to, uh, to get obsessive about the technical, to get obsessive about technique and, and, and blending and, and, Rhythmic togetherness and everything else, but to sort of try and root all of it in the most stressful moments of trying to make a living at this. The thing that has brought me the most relief and it's usually been my dad like telling me, listen, you dummy, like you're you're (laughs) on the road with your friends singing for money. Like, how cool is that? I didn't do that. I was a school teacher, which was awesome. And I'm a good person. But tell me about the road. (laughs) Like, tell me about tell me how cool it is that you're singing with your friends every day. to any any time you get stressed out or down on yourself or overwhelmed or feeling negatively about any particular thing happening with your experience with your group remember that you're singing and it's so fun is that horribly corny advice i want to say something more insightful than that
1: no it's 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 something that needs (laughs) to be said more often and then chris if people want to get a hold of you talk to you about acapella request your arranging services you know just see what you're all about find you performing how could they do that
2: uh, thank you by the way thank you for teeing me up and mentioning all those things because i wouldn't have thought of yeah. each one of them <laughs> i
1: always try to say like oh okay say the checklist of all <laughs> the things so they
2: know what to respond to yep so here are all the things you do how do you how do people get to you um <laughs> you can you can email me at christophonemusic at gmail.com which is christo like a Monte Cristo, uh, phone like a telephone, music like music, and Gmail like Gmail. Uh, com or at Music on Instagram. Those are the two places on the internet that I find myself being <laughs> present. I kind of hide from Facebook. It freaks me out. <laughs> Understandable. Days, so I'm not really there.
1: Um, yeah. Me too. Cool. Brian, where can people find you, man?
0: <laughs> um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I, and for everything else, please go follow all the work that I do at College Acapella.
1: Nice, man. And you can find me in the same place at John Lampus on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to follow Tacapella as well on Twitter. We're just at Tacapella, And check out our website uh, at Tacapella.org. Chris, thanks so much for coming on today's episode. Yes, it was thank just you. absolutely so much fun to have you.
2: Thank you, guys. I've had a total blast. I just need you to promise you'll edit out the boring stuff. Just don't oh, let don't me... Don't
1: worry. And we have don't nothing worry. to we'll edit out. We'll cut everything <laughs> I say, so then all it'll only be entertaining stuff left. You guys are the best. Great. All right, everyone. That's it for this week's episode of Tacapella. Remember, check out everything we have going on at AkaVille Radio. And for everything Acapella, please stay tuned.